From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we start the show with possible signs of life for the Guardians. On the road, we talk NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball news, and we play a brand new game. Off the field, we close the show with our first ever From the Land Opera Men. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, when was the last time you were this excited to pod? Uh, seven days ago. <laughs> very, very predictable answer. <laughs> yeah, you took mine. I'll, I'll go 14 days ago. I wasn't oh. feeling it last Sunday. <laughs> the week we had off, you were most excited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you better not be doing another show without us, Chuck. <laughs> Never. That would be bullshit. All right, why don't we get started? We are going to stay at home in the land, and we are going to talk only about our favorite baseball team, our Guardians week cap, our look back at the last week of Guardians baseball. Guards continued trying to win games without scoring any runs, and the outcome was not as bad as it could have been. Guards took a game in New York against the Yankees, came home to the land against the division-leading Twins, and won two of three. Guards finished the week 16-18, and 18, but only two and a half games out of first. Now, this mini one-day turnaround comes at the end of three pretty bad weeks. So let's talk panic-level stats. Which of these stats has you most worried for the guards? At this time last year, the guards were 13-14. and 14. They won the division by 11 games. Free agents Mike Zanino and Josh Bell are both batting right around 205. Emmanuel Classe, velocity and visual dominance are definitely down, but his ERA is still below two. Last one, nobody in the Cleveland Guardians regular lineup is hitting 300 this season. Which of those stats has you worried, concerned, or perhaps panicked about the guards this year? I'm going to go with the last one, <clears throat> that nobody's hitting 300. I know typically we've seen slow starts. But I don't know if it's this slow. You look at the the amount of runs scored this week, and two runs could be an insurmountable lead for this team. And that's making me panic. Uh, you brought in guys like Bell, and he's 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 done okay. And Zanino, who's done all right, but I don't like the fact that what I thought last year was like cute, like the slap hitting and all that. I'm starting to think like I'd rather just see these guys kind of swing out of their boots and see what happens because it seems like everybody's slumping at the same time. That's what concerns me. The pitching's been, this week especially, I'm proud of that, but what scares me is that we live in an offensive era and there isn't a whole lot of offense coming from this lineup. The only answer to that question is the last one because we have a team built that is not a power-hitting team. Uh, we have a team that's built to hit singles, hit doubles, run on the bases, score that way. And if no one on the team can hit 300, no Stephen Kwan, no J-Ram, no Straw. All right, these guys should be toying with that. They may get there again. I mean, there, there's a couple of those guys that are close. But uh, to Chuck's point, the entire team went to a slump at the same time. We went into one weekend where there were four guys hitting around 300 or above. And after that weekend series, no one was hitting over 270. As kind of concerning as the Josh Bell and Zanino hitting 205 is ah 
really out of the catcher position, that might be an improvement. And Josh Bell, we need them to bump that average up by maybe 50 points, and that'll be fine. But what we need are the the guys hitting in the one, two, and three hole, and then later in the lineup to toy with that 300 because that's how this team is is built to win. We're not hitting the long ball other than Stephen Kwan apparently decided to do that for us. Feared power hitter Stephen Kwan. Yeah, thank God, because that that game was about to be a loss (laughs) if he hadn't done that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm concerned uh, as Chuck is with the uh, the lack of an average from a team that's supposed to be that kind of team. I guess what I felt when I went through these was a very low level of panic based on the first one that they were 13 and 14 at this time yeah. last year and they won the division by 11 games. And I just don't think the Twins are running away with this thing. I think this is going to be close all season long, and so I guess I'm not that worried. But the thing that bothers me the most is the Zanino and Josh Bell just not hitting because we can say 205 is an improvement for Zanino over the offense that we got from the catching position last year. But the trade off is huge because Zanino is a shit defensive catcher. <laughs> yeah, right. He's really bad and like he's not good at throwing out base runners. And it's, it's shocking after all the years of great defensive catchers to see him back there. And the only saving grace to allowing him to play like that is if he mashes some. And if he doesn't, and if Bell doesn't, this lineup that we really hoped the beginning of the year was going to have a lot more punch than last season isn't going to, even if the rest of the guys kind of get back into stride like you expect them to do. I'm worried that we really needed those two guys. Well, maybe we really needed one of those two guys to really hit, and it it's not happening yet. The losses led to some shaking up in the Guardians locker room. Zach Plesek and Oscar Gonzalez both sent down to AAA over the weekend. I would say both of these moves seem justified based on their performance so far. Which of these guys do you think will be the first one to get back to the Guardians? Oh, man. I would like it to be Oscar Gonzalez, but I think Plesek finds his way back. Pitching is at such a premium, right? So it's only going to take a couple of a couple starts from these rookies to where they look shaky. And if Plesek looks decent and gets his shit together down at AAA, which I don't know how confident that makes me in any major league baseball pitcher, but I think he finds his way back just because of the the, the nature of the pitching position, right? Like you're going to, we're going to run into, all right, we got to get a, a fifth starter for sure or whatever back up. I hate to see Gonzalez down there, especially for what we thought we had in that kid, but he is still a kid. He's so young. Like get down there and and learn how to have an approach at the plate because he has no clue how to take his bat up there and actually take in within the same at bat have a plan. Uh, he just looks clueless. So I think he might stay down there a while. And we don't. Another part of it is we're not hurting for outfielders all of a sudden. Whereas the pitching might be more of the uh, the hole we need filled sooner. Phil did a really nice job there, but I, I think it's Gonzalez that gets back because the guys he would be platooning with not like they're doing great like. Brennan started out really good and then yeah, he's slowed way down. Right. Um, And Gonzalez, no approach or not, has at least the potential to hit for power Uh, where Plesak, like we've said this, I think we've all kind of seen enough of him in this rotation. And I I don't know if he's a piece. I I don't like if you put him on a trade block, does anybody want that? Because pitching is a premium. I get that. But it, does he have any trade value? Um, because I think that's what this team's looking at at some point here is maybe packaging some of these younger arms um, for, for for right-handed power, which which they they sorely lack. But I'm hoping it's Gonzalez just because 
you don't hit in those situations like he did last year and come in clutch when it mattered the most. If you don't have some sort of talent, like, you know, like you, that, that moment wasn't too big for him. And I thought this year would be a step forward. I'm pretty sure in the season preview, I said, this guy's going to make a huge leap. And he leaped right back down to AAA. <laughs> God, I suck at this. Um, but but I, I think it's him. I just think that that guy has the tools to be a, a major league player, but he hasn't been impressive at all. And either is pleased. So who's been less impressive out of the two? I'm not sure. But I, I, I think Gonzalez back first. Well, naysayer Chuck, I will have you know that Zach Plesak pitched a complete game like two hitter today in Triple hey, A in yeah, the so, minors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you got to win games down there too. I, I have a feeling the the one we see back the soonest is Gonzalez because I, I kind of go with Chucky here and that Plesak just doesn't have what it takes. If they're looking to fill holes in the rotation, are you more confident moving? Xavion Curry out of the bullpen into a starting spot than you are bringing up Plesek. I think you are. Yeah. yeah. Any number of these young guys, we're going to get to it in a minute, but that are filling in that rotation right now, I think we'd right now we'd have more confidence in them than we would in Plesek. Savali is, I think, starting like a rehab assignment in Arizona this week. Yeah. So, I mean, he might be coming back too. So, even with all the injuries that they face, and we always forget about McKenzie. That guy's been gone for such a long time. You forget that he's going to be back sometime this summer. So, I, I just don't see a place for Plesak. Although, I wonder if maybe if there is some trade value there because he's still pretty young. There, there might be a pitching coach who says, yeah, give me this guy and let me work with him and I can find something here. I hope Gonzalez gets some at bats and finds his consistency and, and can get back up because I think he'd be helpful. Uh, I think police probably done, but we'll see. All right. Moving on from the land jailbait. Who's your favorite young pitcher so far of the guardian <laughs> season? God. <laughs> First one, Tanner. It's not Bibby. You free podcasting hack. It's Bybee. Oh, yeah. He's one and oh, 245 ERA had a really good outing against the Yankees last week. Next one, Taylor Battenfield. He pitched Friday night, seven innings, two hits, took a perfect game into the fifth against the Twins. New Logan Allen, one and one, 270 ERA, three straight quality starts from that guy. And the king of the bullpen, Xavion Curry, 2.37 ERA, 13 strikeouts in 19 innings. Who's your favorite young pitcher so far? That's a hard call. I'm going to lean towards, uh, now that I know how to pronounce his name, uh, Bybee, because they're they're all doing a great job. They they really are. They're all they're all going deep into games if we count five innings as that's what we need out of these these kids, right? Uh, except for Xavion Curry coming out of the bullpen and just locking it down. They're all doing exactly what Tito is asking these guys to do in a situation that you shouldn't be asking for guys this new to be doing, right? But I like the eyeball test. Like when Bybee's on the mound, like that dude is he doesn't look He's he's like the antithesis of of uh, Karinchek. Like he doesn't look rattled at all. Like he's out what are there. You saying? He's super calm. <laughs> are, you, are you questioning James Karinchek's poise on the mound? Questioning? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. It's it's I I see it and I can't stand it. But uh, Bybee's like he's calm and his stuff is elect. Like he he looks filthy at times. Like he's got hitters just guessing. So. I'm interested to see more out of him. I'd like to see. I mean, I like that Logan Allen's a lefty, but if I had to pick one of them right now, so far it's uh, Bybee. What an awesome problem to have to pick yeah. from four guys here who have given you quality starts or 
been rock solid out of a bullpen. You know, I'm a, I, I like Curry, and I think he deserves a shot in the rotation. But I'm going to say the same with Phil. It's it's Bybee. BB sounds cooler though as a pitcher. It really does. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even yeah. think of that one. I had <laughs> Bibby. That's Bybee. BB would be really good. Really, really, really cool. good. Yeah. That game against the Yankees, watching his his off speed. What I like the most about him, he's overpowering with that fastball, but his slider and his curve look exactly alike, except one of them's like mid eighties and the other ones in the seventies. That's disgusting, man. For a power pitcher to be able to change speeds that dramatically. And as a hitter, you guys all hit curveballs and sliders. You nope. know, okay. Well, you, you <laughs> I don't you, think you I ever hit them. one. <laughs> we faced them for sure. We faced I've them. seen them. And you can see the difference in them. But the problem is he hides it. It look they look exactly the same. It's just like a seven to twelve mile an hour difference. That's disgusting at a major league level. So he excites me the most. I'm trying to think of the last guy who was. Just that kind of a power pitcher we had in this rotation. Maybe, maybe like was Kluber that guy like years yeah, ago? Early was, on, yeah, maybe. Yeah, like early yeah, on, say, he was yeah, that guy. Yeah. And, and Bieber now is becoming like the crafty veteran who's who's pitching great, but his velocity is dog shit. So, yeah, Bybee excites me the most. Though all of them deserve kudos for how well they've done this early in the season. I'm with you guys. It, it's Bybee. I watched that entire game he pitched against the Yankees. And you know how they have like the little strike zone box on the TV yep. when you're watching it. I, I was amazed at how many of his pitches hit the line of the box. Like that dude did not leave anything over the plate. Everything was on the edges. Everything was moving from inside to outside, up to down. He worked the entire strike zone without ever throwing a pitch over the plate. It was amazing. And if, he has that kind of control and can keep that up. My gosh, with his stuff, he's going to be tough to hit. This is a wonderful problem. It is also a dangerous thing to rely on for an entire season. Sure. But I'm not going to complain about it right now because they need pitching so badly. <laughs> and these guys are doing their jobs, and it really just makes the hitting look all that much worse that we keep wasting good outings by these young guys who maybe shouldn't even be here yet and are, and are giving us a chance to win games. All right. Most valuable guard, pretty slim pickings this week. Uh, so how about Cal Quantrill? He had two starts, a 1.26 ERA. Opponents hit 146 against him this week. Shane Bieber, one start, eight innings, gave up two absolute bullshit home runs over the Yankees' stupid right field wall in that start. Otherwise, he was lights out. Because somebody on the offense needs to be mentioned. How about Josh Bell? Hit 300. Six hits, five walks last week. Honorable mention, Oscar Gonzalez hit 400 this week before being sent to the monitors. <laughs> so who's your most valuable guard? I'm going with Quantrill. Two really good starts uh, today, flirting with a, a no-hitter for a while. I don't, I don't think I've ever picked that guy as MVG, so I want it to be him. What I don't want it to be is if they are looking to make some sort of move that that guy's involved because early on in the season, he's been rock solid. So he's he's my MVG this week. You get two starts in the same week uh, out of a younger pitcher. Stasis for him. Quantrill is the, the easy choice there, right? Like he, in a week where they were a few pitches away from another two and four week he he saved the day twice we need starts out of that guy I, I don't think any of us had him slated any higher than maybe our our third or fourth guy in the rotation probably more like four and and all of a sudden he's your 
too, right? I mean, just given what the rotation has turned into early part of the season. So to dominate, I didn't, I never saw what, what happened today coming out of that guy like that. He yeah. to take the way Quantrill pitches kind of a ground ball guy, right? So to, to take no hits deep into the game like that, that was impressive. So he's the MVG for the week. I, I wanted, I wanted so bad to give it to Josh Bell. Cause he he's, he's gotta be, his average has to be skyrocketing because he hit over 300 for a week. But I watched a lot of these games. He had he only hit singles. He He's not the guy. He was six hits, six singles. It was an important like slap. Oops. Sorry. I went the other way. Single that, that got us the win the one day. So, okay, great. But he's not doing what they signed him to do. So I can't yeah. give him that award just yet. I'd rather give him an award where he hits 250, but three home runs in a week, I think. That'd be nice. Yeah. So uh, uh, Cal yeah. Quantrill's my my MVG as well. I'm going to give it to Cal as well. And I'm not sure why people shit on this guy sometimes the way that they do. Like his numbers for the entire season aren't really that great right now. But he's had like four or five like really quality starts. And then he had two that where he just got killed. And so it's like throwing his ERA up, I think, higher than it is in real life. And I think he had a lot of stretches like this last season where he pitched really well. I think we should have more confidence in this guy. I think he's I think he's pretty solid. I I actually would doubt that they're thinking about moving him. If they do, they must have so much confidence in like the jailbait guards <laughs> if they're going to move that guy. They have to. He he's pretty solid, man. I I wouldn't be interested in moving him right now. I'm I, I think this guy's got some something good coming down the down the way this season. So Nice week for him, though. Needed everything that he gave them this week in order to keep trying to win. All right, next week starts on Monday with the way-too-close third-place Detroit Tigers. Only a half game behind the guards right now. Going into today, they were tied for second in the division. That's weird. Tigers come to town for three, followed by a weekend series against the AL West second-place Anaheim Angels. So, are the guards winning ways back? Oh man, I, I want a four and two week so bad, but I still feel they're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna sit on that fence. They're gonna go three and three. They're gonna take two, I hope, against Detroit, and I think struggle with the the Angels over the weekend. But I don't know. Does that count at this stage in the season as a winning ways if they go three and three in, in those two series? No. I, I don't think it does, right? <laughs> I just can't that's even Steven. Yeah, I know. I don't I don't see four and two coming out of these two series. I, I don't know. It's and and part of that reason is I think I'm I'm not I'm not confident that they can handle the powerhouse Detroit Tigers after getting killed by them just only a couple weeks ago. I wouldn't sleep on those Tigers. They've actually played pretty well so far. I know it's early in the year, but I, I don't think they're back to their winning ways when you know last week the most runs they put up in a game was four. If if the pitching holds, okay, four is great. But when you're looking at two or three. Yeah, I just or don't zero. think it's yeah, or, yeah. yeah. I just yeah. don't think it's it's there for them to get back to their winning weight. Best case scenario, I'd be happy with an even Steven week. Even Steven sounds pretty good after the last few weeks, but I'm gonna throw my hat in and some confidence in the guards that they can get four games this week. They can start winning some games. Last week, I said I thought they would be able to get a little bit closer to the Twins by the end of this week, and I was right. Instead of being three and a half, they're only two and a half back. So it's technically nice. closer. <laughs> yes, so yeah. I'm going to throw in, I want to have some confidence in this team. I want to see them start hitting. They're way better than they're playing right now on offense. So uh, I think the guards get four wins this week. 
and uh, get back at it and get a little bit closer to getting back in first place in the central where they belong. But fellas, we are going to close up this segment right there. We're going to take our first break, come back, hit the road, talk some basketball, baseball, and other stuff. Welcome back, fellas. We will head out on the road, and we are going to start with the NBA playoffs. Most entertaining series in the Eastern Conference. Is it the Heat up 2-1 on the Knicks or the Celtics and the 76ers nodded at 2-2 two two in that series? I'm going to go uh, Celtics-Sixers because those are probably the two best teams left in the East. And it's been what I thought – I thought Boston wins today and the Sixers come back. It seems like if Harden's going to play well, then the Sixers are going to win. Where I thought Boston would probably stomp them uh, because they did a little bit in the regular season. It's it's an exciting series that I didn't think I'd get drawn into, but I haven't, which is which is weird because there's so many other options on a Sunday, but I ended up watching most of that game. So I think that's the best series in the East right now. Yeah, it's it's Boston-Philadelphia. I, I still think Boston's the better team. They're clearly the two best teams in the East, but I think Boston's the better team and and just kind of reading about today's game. It went to overtime, right? Today's game got yeah. Philadelphia evened up and Harden had a great game, but has a home team lost in that series yet? I, I don't know. It's two, two. It's one of those weird, you know, like eventually that that's probably going to happen. And, and if it doesn't, then the Celtics actually, win. actually. Yeah. They, have they both each lost one on the, on okay. the, they've each one on the road. Cause the Sixers took game one. The Sixers were up one, nothing. Oh, that's right. That's right. It that's that's a more exciting and compelling series to me because of that. Like I I thought that the Celtics, you know, they're not going to win this in four, but I thought maybe be like a five game. Like all right, this is going to be great. I don't I don't know what I think of the 76ers. Clearly, they're talented, and when James Harden goes out there and drops forty plus on someone, you're in trouble because you still have to contend with Embiid down low. So that's the more exciting series. The other series are two teams that I feel like the Cavs should beat in the series and can't. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm surprised to see James Harden being such an important piece for the 76ers winning games because the guy has an absolutely atrocious playoff track record. Like we talked last week about how Donovan Mitchell is not a guy who chokes in the playoffs. Like he had a bad series with the Cavs this year, but before that he's played really well in the playoffs. Harden's exact opposite. Harden has been awful a lot in the playoffs and he hit that game, that shot today to send it into overtime, and he had a big shot to win, I think, in game one. And say so he's playing fantastic. But I'll tell you, I think I'm most entertained by the Heat and the Knicks because, boy, are they bad. Like, <laughs> Jimmy Butler's awesome, and I guess Brunson's good too, but after that, how are any team – are these teams scoring any points at all? It's like an ugly, like, late 90s playoff team in the East, probably between the Knicks and the Heat back then, too. Uh, and I'm I'm thrilled that that one, I think, is going to go seven games and they're just going to wail on each other the entire time. But I'm going to go with that one. All right, let's move over to the Western Conference most entertaining series. Lakers up 2-1 on the Warriors right now. Denver and the Suns is the other series. They're all even at two after the Suns pulled out a win a few minutes ago. Most entertaining series in the West. I think Denver Phoenix, like that's, it's not up two and two. And that is, that is a series. I know the home team hasn't lost yet. So that'll get interesting as it goes forward. And there's just a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of stars in both of those series, um, but you've got some stars in their prime in that Denver Phoenix series. It's inter interesting to see a guy like Booker go off. 
obviously Jokic, those kind of things. But personally, I, the only series in the West I turn, turn on is the Lakers Warriors series. So I think I am more entertained by that because of the participants in it. I think the other series is a better basketball series. I know that wasn't your question. So I guess I'm going Lakers, <laughs> Lakers, uh, Lakers, Warriors, right? I'm, I'm entertained all, by that. <laughs> all good answers. So Denko went with both. Chuck, how about you? Yeah, that's, that's normal. <laughs> the only answer here is, is Lakers, Warriors. Um, removing my hatred for the Warriors aside, you win by 20. And you think, man, this is a lopsided series. And the Lakers win by 30. That's the kind of basketball playoffs that I'm looking forward to, <laughs> where you can have those kind of swings that you just blowing out every night and it's not even close. So I'm assuming that one might go seven games. I would I would assume the margin of victory would shrink to maybe 10 to 15 for the next few games. But when you're winning by 20 something 30 in a second round of the playoffs, this is this is slop and shit with guys who are absolute superstars. So that's the one I'm into. Boy, you guys have collectively talked me out of the Lakers and the Warriors. Um, <laughs> Phil pointing out that the Denver Phoenix series have stars in their prime and you saying that it's just trash back and forth between the Lakers and Warriors where they're at. I, I think yeah. I got to go with Denver and the Suns is such an exciting series because there are a lot of dynamic scorers on the floor at all times. Jokic is just a really interesting guy to watch play. But I do love watching LeBron play against the Warriors even when he's not playing for the Caps. And he's not even the best guy on the Lakers right now, I don't think. But, man, he does everything that he needs to do to win games. What does it mean when you have a series like this where in three games they've gone back and forth with, like, 20-point margins of victory? Does it just mean that, like, both teams suck and, like, one team gets hot? Or is there something more? It's so strange to have that happen especially like this late in the playoffs. It's utterly ridiculous that it happens in the playoffs with two battle-tested teams and guys who have won championships that the margins of victory are that huge. So I don't I don't know if like it just gets out of reach. These guys are such vets that are like just turn it off and like, oh, we'll see them next game. You know, I, I, I can't get into that mindset. I have no idea why there's that big of a disparity, um, but maybe they're just saving it for like game six and seven. That's the only thing I can take away from it. So that's, that's why I'm, that's why I'm into the series. It's just such an anomaly comparatively to what you think those teams would be doing. So maybe that's why it's like a train wreck. It's It's been weird to watch. It's almost like once one team and it's been both so far to this point in the series It's once one team knows one of their stars is having an off night, they just shut it down. Like, okay. We're done tonight. Uh, the the Lakers lost when uh, um, what's his name couldn't score at all. Uh, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Yeah. yeah, he was having a terrible game uh, in that second game, and they just kind of like, all right, well, we're screwed now, and they stopped playing. It looked like, and the same thing was it yesterday. That game, that game started off like, oh man, this is a close game. It yeah, it was a great game at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the Lakers jumped out to a lead, but all of a sudden, you know, the Warriors are a couple possessions away from just cannon three after three, and they were right back in it, then winning it, and then the Lakers came back. And then all of a sudden, Clay and, and Steph couldn't hit shots anymore. And they just said, All right, well, I guess we're gonna wait till the next game because we suck right now. And they shut it down and lost by 30. It's just it's weird. I I don't know, I don't know what that's about, other than maybe what we're actually watching here is two not very good teams anymore. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking is that, well, 
they've made it this far and they're lucky they're playing each other because either one might be getting run off the floor by uh, the Nuggets or the Suns. But in the NBA playoffs, teams still playing. Who do you think the best player is right now? Devin Booker for the Suns, averaging 36.7 assists and five rebounds a game in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler for the Heat, averaging 34 a game for them. Jokic is averaging 28 points, nine assists, and 14 rebounds. Uh, Anthony Davis, 21 and 13 a game, but he also throws in the fact that he is an absolutely dominant defensive presence for the Lakers every game. Last one, I don't know, LeBron, just because he's LeBron. Who's the best guy in the NBA right now still playing in the playoffs? Man, I, I thinking about those stats, I, I might have to lean towards Jokic because did that even include his 50-plus points tonight in that? Probably no, not, right? No, no, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, I yeah. did this this <laughs> <Yeah>. morning. <laughs> now, he might he might be in some trouble here going forward, but they'll you know the NBA will make sure he's still out there the rest of the series or at least the majority of it, but I might lean that guy. That dude, if he dropped 50 tonight with that stat line, that's uh, – I've watched him a lot in these playoffs and I know he's won the MVP and he's just a, he's a boring basketball player to watch, but he's just so good. Like there's no yeah. hole in his game anywhere. Uh, and he just, he just keeps at it. So I, he's probably the best player in the playoffs right now. I feel like we've been agreeing this whole, sh this whole show. So yeah. I want to say Jokic too, but maybe I'll go Booker. Um, say Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will not consider Draymond. Him. No Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say Booker. He's an exciting player to watch, and they're playing. Denver is probably the best team in the West. I mean, you know, like they're they're a really deep team too. But he's surrounded by such good play. It's it's a shit shoot here. I'm just gonna say Booker and say that's enough. You know, like I can't go because I really want to say Jokic. I'm gonna say Booker. <laughs> I don't mind if we're agreeing. I'm, I'm going with Jokic, too. He is such an interesting dude to watch play because there's nobody like him in the NBA right now. Um, he should be winning MVPs in, like, a rec league in, like, downtown Grand Rapids or something like that, not in the NBA, uh, and he's doing it. Just incredible the way he finds guys, uh, the way he picks and finds his shots and stuff like that, um, and his ability to dominate a game in three different categories like that is is pretty impressive, so... Looking forward to another, I think, really exciting week of NBA playoffs this week. Uh, next week, I think a lot of this will have, have shaken out by the time we record. Why don't we move on from the NBA to Major League Baseball? Because we haven't really taken a shot since the season started of looking around the league as a whole. What's the bigger surprise right now? Yankees are in last place in the AL East. The Pittsburgh Pirates are in first place in the NL Central. I don't know, and, and Chuck probably knows way more than, than both of us just living in that area. I don't know enough about this Pirates team other than that they lost one of their best players to a pretty horrific injury in their, their seven-foot-five shortstop that is done yeah. for the rest of the year, right? Yeah. So I'm a little bit more surprised by the Pirates and that may be born of more ignorance than anything else. But the Pirates, I mean, come on. They've been sub-500 forever, and here they are winning a winning a division it's surprising that the Yankees are in last place until you take a closer look at that division and they'd be in first place in like four other divisions in major league baseball. Right. Uh, it's just the whole division has a winning record. So I'm going to go with the pirates. Cause again, that I was surprised to pull up the standings earlier this weekend and see them on the top of it. 
yeah, the Yankees are in last place. They're game over 500. So it's it's a really great division. Probably the best division in baseball. The biggest yeah. surprise here is the Pirates. I, I don't think it lasts. It, it's great that they're in first place. <laughs> That's not the question. Yeah. That's not the question. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great that they're in first place. I think they're three and seven in their last 10. So, you know, we're, you know, it's a hot start, everybody. But uh, probably by like July, August, they won't be anywhere near the top of that division. But it, it feels good because like when's the last time the Pirates were really competitive at baseball? We might have been in grade school, I think. The killer maybe. bees, right? Bonds, Bonilla, yeah. B- yeah. 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 Yeah, Van Slyke. Yeah, well, we were Van in Slyke. Van Slyke. We were in college, right? They, when they lost to uh, they lost to the Braves. Really? That was that was high school in the playoffs, that was, right? I don't know. That was early nineties, ninety two. The Cabrera, like the Francisco Cabrera hit. I'm, You're I probably right. I was a freshman in college. Oh, that Maybe might be. I was that way might ahead be. You guys. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Still a long time ago, buddy. After one year. Maybe. I finished, I finished high school two years ahead of you guys. <laughs> that was so cool. You kept coming back to play baseball with us. Thank you for doing yeah. that. <laughs> Stupid. All that driving. It is obviously the Pirates being in first place, even if it doesn't last. This is a continuation of the Yin Spring. First, they have the Steelers have this amazing draft. <laughs> now the Pirates are playing well. All the Yinzes are going oh, crazy. Oh, enjoy it, Pittsburgh. All right, moving on. The Anaheim Angels are in second place in the West right now. Trout is having a trout year. They have four guys on the team with seven or more home runs. They have two starting pitchers with ERAs under three. They have a closer whose ERA is around one. And they have Shohei Otani. They have to be good, right? Are the Angels for real? No. I mean, I want them to be for real. That was quick. Yeah. Like we've said, they deserve a bigger stage with Trout, especially uh, in Otani, at least gets a lot of publicity. But that's a good division. The Mariners are a good team. Who else is in that division? Other Everybody. Texas and yeah, Houston. Yeah, everybody Texas. other than the A's uh, <laughs> is pretty good. So. And the thing I try to remember too, if we go backwards about the Guardians, we're not even like a quarter of the way through the season here. So um, I don't know if they're for real. The track record for the last five plus years says they're not. So uh, it's a good start to the season for them, but I, I don't know if it holds up much like the Pirates. Man, they should be for real with that lineup, with the the amount of money and the, the market they're in, they should absolutely be for real. But I feel like maybe this is the best but we see them in this season because you got to think Houston, Houston and Seattle are going to they're playing about 500 ball right now. And they're, that's not going to continue. They, they've got better teams, I guess. But I don't know. I guess I'm with Chuck. I hope they're for real, but don't think they are because they have never shown me that in the last. When's the last time they were for real? I have no idea. It's been a long time. They win a World Series in like 04 yeah. or something like that. It's been a really long so time. So their manager then. But. Was it was Jim it Edmonds yeah. out in center field? Is, is he still he there? might is still, he still be still yeah, their manager now? He might still be their manager now. <laughs> I think I blacked out for that season. I don't remember them winning anything. <laughs> they definitely won a World Series. Yeah. They absolutely I won one uh, when Socia was their manager. But I think they're for real. You've just got to look at that lineup and look at the pitching that they have. They've got too many good players. And they've got Shohei Otani, who is proving to be like a once in – three generations talent. I think maybe the angels are going to be for real this year. I think they buck the trend in a tough division. And I think the angels are somebody to, uh, to worry about out there in the West. Let's move over to the national league. Fernando Tatis jr. Is back. He's played in 15 games this year. He's hitting 297, and he has four home runs. He's also batting leadoff 
for the Padres. So their first four hitters are Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Juan Soto, and Xander Bogarts. Should they let fans bat in the five through nine <laughs> spots for the rest of the season? Uh, are the Padres the favorite to win the National League right now? Right now? Yeah. No. I'm certainly the Dodgers are above them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Pirates. I uh, can't forget about the Pirates. <laughs> I'm going to say no, only because the Dodgers and the Braves exist in the National League, and they have a – Great track record over the last four to five years of winning consistently and making the playoffs where San Diego seems to spend an ungodly amount of money and underachieve. But God, I can't believe you just listed off the Jeez, oh man, that's insane. Um, I'd, I'd love to have one of those guys on the guards. Which one? I'll take any of them. Throw a dart. Any one of yeah, them. Yeah, any of yeah. them. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I think Tatis Jr. makes more than the entire Guardians team. <laughs> so not him. Right so, so, uh, Phil, are the Padres a favorite, are the favorite to win the National League? No, they're not um, because of the Dodgers and the Braves. They are The Padres are the New York Mets of the West of the NL. Like, that's what they are. The Mets are the in the East. The Padres are in the West. They cancel each other out. They're teams that spend a shit ton of money and – will be lucky to find a wild card berth if that, because they're typically looking up at teams like the Dodgers and the Braves and someone else that actually puts together an entire lineup, because I know the top four really, really impressive. That's all-star caliber. I want to know who's in there five through nine. Is it, is it any, anything like what, what are they doing? There's a, there's a reason these guys are, they have guardians like stats right now. We'll see how it goes throughout the season, but I think they're like the Mets of the, of the West. I think the Padres might be my second favorite baseball team now because that's that's absurd what they have and they actually have pitching too. So I'm so I heard you say you're a front runner. Maybe I'm. Is I'm, that what you just said? <laughs> like, absolutely, yeah. Cowboys. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Picking my side piece after the Guardians, oh, man. Somebody who's fun to watch, just like we did yeah. in the NFL. All right, so I think I think the Padres are for real, and we'll see. NL is really tough because you do you have the Dodgers, you have the Braves, the Mets. You know have the highest payroll in baseball now. Uh, they should be good too. This Padres team is going to be really exciting to watch. All right, moving on. There were a lot of other things going on in sports that I wanted to talk about. So let's play a new game. We're going to look around the sports world and decide if something is ballsy or stupid. <laughs> First one: Alabama baseball and gambling. So the Alabama coach is now out because it is alleged and boy, it seems like they must have the evidence that there was a gambler at a casino in Cincinnati at a sports book communicating directly with Bama's coach while he was making bets at the sports book window. And the key thing to it was, I think that the, starting pitcher for Alabama was really, really good and got scratched like 15 minutes before the game started or something like that. So it was definitely not something that was out there for the general public. Alabama baseball gambling, ballsy or stupid? Well, shit. Uh, both? <laughs> I mean, without a doubt. I'm, I'm going to choose one here. Yeah, go. Yeah, no, Pick one. But I mean, I mean, talk about ballsy like that. What year is this? This everything is traceable, right? So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to lean towards this is absolutely stupid. Cause if, this, if anyone on either side of this thought they were going to get away with it, like what, how long did it take for them to figure that out? Were they that even long. out of the tunnel? 
no yeah like the state of ohio shut down yeah. betting on that game like almost immediately, immediately. that's what that's my point like, i mean it was really that's quick. my yeah. point like how stupid can you be to think that something that's online isn't 100 percent traceable in real yeah. time stupid it's stupid and the lesson here is the house always wins it doesn't matter if you think you are a great handicapper or a wonderful slot machine whatever the fuck it is you make one bet and you think you have insider information you're in cincinnati and literally 20 seconds later you're shut down you're fired as the coach and there is some connection there i think they were it was it might have been his high school coach or something like that it's insane uh, to think that in 2023, what Phil's saying, there isn't a digital imprint that doesn't exist the second you go online. So just blatant stupidity. I say it's ballsy. <laughs> well, they got caught ballsy. this time. You don't know how many other times <laughs> yeah. they did okay. it. Okay. Maybe they made a lot of money. My guess is that the really stupid part of it is that the guy at the window making the bets probably made a series of big bets in like a in a in a short window on the same game. Uh, and that's just dumb. That that's the kind of thing that flags it. He just walked up there and put five grand on them to win that game, uh, or, to, or like Bama to lose. They probably would have been fine. All right, moving on. Last week, Mel Kuyper's first mock draft of 2024 came out. Ballsy or stupid? <laughs> so stupid, beyond stupid. I don't care. It's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's ballsy. I'm gonna say it's ballsy because. What else is that guy got to do right now? Like, that's how he makes his living. Take a vacation. I mean, this like, is a guy just... who, <laughs> right. Every year, you still see the clip of him arguing with the GM of the Colts for money, told them they're making a stupid yeah. pick. He is, he's made a wonderful life uh, out of doing this and guessing, uh, and typically probably guessing wrong. So I'm looking forward to overseeing uh, who the Browns won't be drafting because I still think they don't have a first or second or a fifth or 12th round pick next year. Obviously, this is stupid. We don't even know what the order of teams are going to be next year. How would you ever <laughs> no. be able to figure out who's who's drafting? All right, last one. Mage won the Kentucky Derby since April 27th of this year. So we're talking about a matter of only a few weeks. Uh, seven horses died at Churchill Downs. Five died in the week before the Derby. Most of them were euthanized after injuries. Horse racing. Ballsy or stupid for the horse? The horse. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say both. Uh, you're a you're a high performance athlete, and then you get snubbed out by a soprano. That's what it's when seven horses go down, and then a fifteen to one wins. Who was crowdfunded, by the way? Like you could have owned a piece of that horse who won, by the way. Oh yeah, wow. yeah. Like you could have owned a piece of it. I love horse racing. I don't fully understand it. But I'll watch it. Like it's like the it's it's the best production value next to the Masters. If you watch the Kentucky Derby, granted they start like eight hours before it. I don't know how they fill all. It's that's the problem. Ridiculous. With it. Yeah, for like a minute and a half of actual running. Yeah, I guess if if you're, it's, it's ballsy and stupid if you decide because you don't really decide if you're going to be a racehorse. Uh, you're kind of born exactly. into it, right? So uh, both. It's a little bit of both. So from the horse's perspective, you're asking me if it's ballsy yeah. or stupid. If you win, it's real ballsy, right? Because you get all those stud fees. So is it worth the risk of what amounts to maybe a quarter, 25% of the field being murdered before the, before the race <laughs> actually goes off? Man, I, I'm going to say it's ballsy because you know what? 
if you're if you're if you're not first, you're last, right? Like these guys are oh, they're racers. Like that's uh, I, no, I I I don't know. Like I don't know how to answer this question. I continue to feel like are we just too nonchalant about killing horses? Like did they need to die? Did they need to die? I don't know. I don't think so. So maybe it's stupid if you're a racehorse to be in there. But what else are you gonna do? I'm conflicted. I have no answer. <laughs> <laughs> it seems really wrong that these horses that have no choice about whether they're going to become racehorses can die in like numbers like this before a race. And I understand this is an anomaly. It hasn't happened like this before, I think at Churchill Downs, but we did have the juiced up horse Medina spirit died last year. Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to do something to make it a little bit safer for the horses. This is bullshit. They have no say in this. They get stuck running these races and you know, like if they break a leg, they're like, all right, that's what I mean. I like in sucks. 2023, I think it's stupid. Are they? Do they need to be done? Can't we fix this horse know. and just let it live the rest of its life? I don't know. Maybe that's the maybe, the maybe next week we can get an equine. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like yeah, we'll get an equine vet <laughs> yeah. on here I, and we'll talk I feel about like it. We're fixing bones all over the place. What's going on here? Why are we just murdering these poor animals? I don't know. I feel bad for the horses, man. So I'm sorry. We're going to end this segment on a little bit of a downer, but great news. We get to talk about the opera when we come back. Oh, Welcome back, fellas. Let's head off the field for our final segment of the night. And welcome to the first ever From the Land All Ears Opera Men. At long last, the full rock opera Autumn was released by the Smashing Pumpkins last week. The opera has three acts, 33 songs, and a runtime in excess of two hours. Smashing Pumpkins stat line. Autumn is their 12th studio album. They won a Danish Music Award in 1999 for the album Adore. They also won Grammys in 97 and 98. They've been nominated like a dozen times and counting. I fully expect no. they will dominate the best rock opera category <laughs> at this year's Grammys. Aside from that, hundreds and hundreds of millions of streaming plays of Smashing Pumpkins songs on Spotify right now. Are the Smashing Pumpkins a top five 90s band? Shit. Nirvana, Pearl Jam, County Crows. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Oh, come on. Now you're not even being serious. <laughs> now you're just going through my CD collection. I don't know. Like, I, I was never the biggest Smashing Pumpkins fan. Like, I really like some of their songs from the, the first two. No, the second and third, because the first one was bef really before they were famous. I don't think they're a yeah. top. I mean, I, I don't think they're. A, I'm not, and I'm not taking anything away from them because they were heavy rotation on MTV. You know, like. A band that really didn't fit any mold at that point, maybe because his voice was just so jarring uh, comparatively. But I'm, I'm not going to put him in a in a top five, and it's not. To, I'm not shitting on him or taking anything away from him. But I mean, that's that was our our golden era, our prime time uh, when our music lives were being molded. So I, for me, it's just a personal decision. But no, they're not a top five. Did you just say rock band or band period? Band. Like, he said band, band period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just said band. Yeah. yeah. I can't put them in the top five, like, maybe top five alternative rock. If you're happy and you want to feel depressed, listen to this album list of the nineties. Like they were, don't get me wrong. Like that's pretty specific, yeah, very specific. Like just the way they're going to win their Grammy this year. Right. Like it's, yeah, <laughs> They have a shot. 
I mean, the the album that came out in their third album, third or fourth, the one that came out our senior year of high school was played incessantly. The the melancholy and the infinite, yeah, yeah, that one was played all the time. They they rattled off a bunch of albums in our high school years, which so you know you, you had people our age that kind of grew up on them a little bit, but I can't put them in the top five. It's it's interesting that Chuck brought up uh, Billy Corgan's voice. I, I found my, like the music was good. And then as he started singing, I'm like, ah, 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 like, wait, 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 like, wait, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't remember that from their early albums. Like, I don't remember his voice being what turned me off to their music as much as it did more recently. I guess we'll get into it, but. I think Chuck hit on something that if I would lean to putting him in the top five, it's because they were of those alternative bands. They were one of the biggest ones on MTV. Yeah. Like I didn't go through their MTV music award list, uh, but they were nominated a ton. And in like that kind of 96 to 98 time period, they won like everything on MTV. And this is back when MTV still mattered. Yeah. I don't know, man. I guess if you get into it's it's a rock band or it's an alternative band, maybe you can narrow it down like that and they get into a top five somewhere. Still a huge fucking band in the 90s. No doubt about that. Whether they're top five or they or not uh absolutely enormous band in the 90s so let's talk rock opera and autumn uh what was the plot of autumn it's the season that comes after summer i have no idea (laughs) what was the plot yeah it's an opera it's got to have a story yeah a central character exiled in space that's what i kind of got listening to it that's what you got reading yeah there's no way you could get it listening to it no way no, it, it, like when if you said what is it? it's it was like space rock, it it felt like well other than the synth overload it felt spacey so that's so what this, I got from it. This is about someone exiled in space, like that like the Matt Damon yes. movie on Mars when he planted vegetables. Martian. No, 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 not just lost. <laughs> like he's exiled. Yeah. Like you're kicked off the planet. Wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's an epic interplanetary story in the not too distant future. It's the sequel to 1995's Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness and the 2000 Machines of God albums. So we might have to have listened to those as well to be prepared for tonight. It's all about finding a person named Shiny who's been exiled to space. Then Shiny comes back to Earth, speaks to people, then leaves to go find another character named June. Good news, there might be another one of these coming out when we get Shiny and June back together. But that is the plot of Autumn. And I will tell you, it took an awful lot of research for me to figure that out. As I said, 33 tracks on the album. Phil, list your top 25 in a row. Tracks 1 through 25. (laughs) Who should play the main character in the Autumn stage show? So I think this would be playing Shiny. Tom Cruise, Judd Hirsch, Morgan Freeman, or The Rock? The Rock, because it's just <laughs> as ridiculous as this three-part album. Can we get Judd Hirsch nominated two, two yeah, times that's true. in a row? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Closer to the EGOT. 40, 40 years into his career. Man, I want to see Tom Cruise in this role, kind of like his role in Tropic Thunder. That's what I, that's what I want to see. Take that kind of role. <laughs> Take it seriously, Tom. <laughs> All right, so does Autumn feel like a story? Or just a super long Smashing Pumpkins record. Oh man, I, I well, it felt it feels to me it felt more like a super long Smashing Pumpkins record than it did a story. I tried to 
listen to it enough to know the story, but that's a long time to hold anyone's uh, attention. And I just drifted off and drifted off and drifted off. And and there were good songs on there, but I, I just couldn't, I would have never come up with the story that you just outlined for us, Gerbs, having yeah. researched it. Like, no way. Yeah, it's just a really long Smashing Pumpkins album. I read, like, there was a guy on Reddit who did it song by song, explaining, like, what's happening in the opera. And so I tried to go look at, like, the lyrics of the song and match with what this guy was saying. And I'm like, I, I don't I don't see it. How are you figuring this out? How are you getting that, like, this is a point in time when, like, spaceships are coming? Like, I don't understand what you're saying at all. I couldn't find the story. Um, so I, I agree with you. It's a long Smashing Pumpkins record but i'll and i'll tell you what I, it sounds to me a lot like 1997 smashing pumpkins right sometimes uh there were certain songs where i would i would know like i have a full page of song and like notes with every song and there were ones i would put like classic pumpkins track typically the ones with like chunky guitars i don't remember a whole lot of synth in the in the in the 90s when it came to the, the smashing pumpkins okay. it just so much synthesizer that it it became cartoonish sometimes for me but also like i think well maybe he was watching a lot of stranger things and and synth is really hot now so there were songs that those are the ones i I typically like the most that sounded like 90s smashing pumpkins not with all that synth though yeah i thought listening to the 33 tracks uh multiple times i thought you could pare it down to probably 10 or 11 tracks and make an album that sounded like a 90s pumpkins album right but that's not what they were out to do in this case but that existed in there somewhere i think because there were every now and again i would a track would come like all right this kind of sounds like old pumpkins i'm pretty sure like synthesizer and guitar was not a part of the mid to late (laughs) 90s pumpkins musical uh adventure but it certainly was in this one best rock opera of all time quadrophenia by the who the wall by pink floyd Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust, David Bowie, The Pick of Destiny, Tenacious D, Honorable Mention, any of the three rock operas that Frank Zappa wrote, prolific rock operist, <laughs> best rock opera of all time. That's hard to say. Like I, I guess the, of that list, the ones I've listened to actually more than once would be uh, The Pick of Destiny. <laughs> that doesn't say much about me, <laughs> but I, 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 you know, Tenacious D. And Pink Floyd's The Wall, of course, is just that's an album that I listened to a couple times for sure over the years. But so I don't know. Like I'm I'm intrigued by the um if I actually listen to it and what I've read about the Ziggy's Stardust, like that might be the best rock opera of all time, but I don't know how to comment on it because I don't think I've ever listened to it beginning to end. Please don't get any ideas. I, I don't know that I <laughs> want to. So I'm gonna I'm gonna land on Pink Floyd only because I have some experience with that one. It's the same, yeah. It's it's Pink Floyd, The Wall. There there should not be a subgenre of rock opera. <laughs> the, the fact that you got to list so many of them. Was like, oh man, without there the were Zappa, like twenty five right, without Zappa. Yeah. Um, there there were times listening to this album that I wrote notes like, this is this is his attempt to sound like Pink Floyd, uh, and, and it's not a great attempt at it. But The Wall is not even my favorite Pink Floyd album. But if you're saying the best rock opera, I'm going that way. I'm just gonna say. Yeah, yeah. Keep let's keep moving through the rock album. I'll go with the wall too because Pink Floyd's my favorite band of everybody I just listed there. There are a lot of rock operas out there, uh, stuff I've never heard of before for sure. I read one place where they tried to argue that the original Bad Out of Hell yeah. 
is a rock opera. Yeah. I don't think I agree with that, but uh, there's a lot more operaing we can be doing if you guys want to. <laughs> Who is your all-time favorite opera singer? Luciano Pavarotti? Placido Domingo? Bob Merrill? Or Enrico Palazzo? Enrico, <laughs> Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> you have to pick one. Who the f- is Bob Mayer? How does he <laughs> Bob Merrill is a is a world famous. Oh. He actually goes with Robert Merrill. Oh, of course. It's a little bit funnier oh. if you call him Bob. But um. <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna say Placido Domingo because he sounds like he's a hell of a middle infielder. Man, I don't, my my fa- it's my favorite's Enrico Palazzo. It's a fictional, <laughs> but come on, I mean, there's it's not even close. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Pavarotti. Yeah, seems like he the wise good. move. <laughs> All right, getting back to autumn. Uh, how would you recommend fans consume the 33 track two plus hour album all in one sitting as envisioned by us apparently <laughs> it's a lot to ingest uh, but, but honestly no i would i would break it up and listen to it in acts uh, because it seemed a little bit easier on my second time through to listen at least act wise not trying to get a th- theme to any act or anything like that it's just when you're dealing with something this massive it's like like if i want to watch the godfather it's best to do it in one sitting not so much with this album like just just break it up man because there's a lot happening and you're gonna need to get away from it for a little bit having only listened to it almost in its entirety start to finish i'm gonna recommend not doing that because (laughs) it was hard like it was it really tested your endurance and patience and everything um What's interesting is the act part of it. I wonder, I would imagine it's three 11 track albums, right? Basically is what they're looking at there, right? Pretty manageable instead of the way Spotify put it and the way the pumpkins wanted to put together where it was just 33 straight tracks. I wonder if I could just listen to one act at a time as its own album, if I would have had a different feel for this, but my recommendation to all you soon to be super duper rock opera fans out there who are already smashing pumpkins fans. Just turn it on and let it go, man. Just let it let it go. I think it's the only way to do it. You just got to listen to it in like one sitting. What I would not recommend is trying to listen to it multiple times in one weekend. <laughs> yes. Like, you, you know, yeah. spend an afternoon maybe with like a drink or something else you choose to imbibe, listen to it, and then like put it away for a week and come back to it because it is too much. All right. Bourbon scale, one to five. Oh, man. I... I'm going to give it a one. I don't know. I don't know what, like, <laughs> like I, I do feel like there were 11 good songs in there somewhere. And I, I like Chuck did, like I started jotting down like, Hey, this is a good song. I like this song. I like how this sounds. I like the, the music of it. I like, I, I looked. And then to your point, Curbs, I, I pulled up the lyrics page on some of these things while they were playing on Spotify. And it was like nonsensical. Like, I don't even like, what are you, what are you singing about right now? So it was back and forth for me. Not only will I not listen to any part of this anymore, I can't wait to not. And I've like previous albums, I've gone back to multiple times, even when I didn't think I I listened to Josh Ritter's album like six times this week after we talked about it last week. So uh, I'm sorry, Billy and the boys. I don't know that I'm coming back to your uh, rock opera. I'm going to give it a two and a half. This thing is sprawling and it's ridiculous that it's this long. And our brains have gotten to a point where it's just too much. Anything over like 40 minutes is just too much. Sometimes anything over 10 minutes is too much. <laughs> so trying to actually ingest this in one sitting, what you're going to find if you're a Pumpkins fan or a casual Pumpkins fan is there is a great album here 
if it's cut to like 14 songs, like a really great album. And I applaud them. Like you get to a point, you do what you want to do when you're at that level. Right. And you say, fuck it. I want to make three albums. It's a rock opera. And I'm going to be as creative as humanly possible. And we got the band back together because it's mostly all the original members. I don't know if I ever go back to this album. I applaud them for going. You know what? It's not like, not like Pearl Jam's going to do a three-album rock opera because if that happened, their fans oh, would just the fuck over it. They would love it, <laughs> you know. Like, but it, it's it's just it's a little too much uh, at times, and it doesn't. I, I think the when I said his voice grates at the beginning is because the tracks are so different from what we were used to hearing them on. Like, if I go back, which I did, and listen to Zero, like that song is phenomenal. Like those harder, chunky rock tracks with his voice just worked so well. When it's just stripped down to synth in his voice, it doesn't work really well for me. And I felt like, you mentioned Pink Floyd, like maybe this is next up for a laser light show because that's what I felt I needed. Smoke and lasers listening to most of this thing. So I'm at at a two and a half. I'm not going to shit on it because there is some good stuff here, but it's just too opulent. I don't need it in my life. (laughs) And maybe somebody else does, but it's just not so much for me. I'm at a one and a half or a two. Never a huge smashing pumpkins guy even though i do recognize it, like it's a pretty huge band i liked a lot of the songs i agree with what you guys are saying that like if you cut it down to 12 to 14 songs it's probably a lot of really good ones but then the plot wouldn't make any sense because you're gonna lose everything <laughs> in between. Sure. so that's a terrible opera <laughs> poor um, guys out in space I, I, <laughs> i'm looking i'm looking forward i think to the stage show more so than than listening to this again i'd really like to see this actually performed as an opera i'll tell you what give them credit for doing it give them credit for the absolute massive amount of creativity and work it must take to put something like this together i mean that's really really impressive i am with phil i don't expect to be coming back to this album anytime soon and i don't think i'm grabbing tickets if they put this on tour so uh, that will do it for autumn 33 tracks Two hours of Smashing Pumpkins and a story, apparently. Check it out sometime. Moving on. Let's talk a little succession. Episode 7 comes out tonight. We are now short timing with just three more episodes after tonight's episode before the end of succession. Scale of 1 to 5. 1 being the giddiness of a child when you give them candy. 5 being my giddiness writing this scale. How giddy are you to play the biting game on this year's yearly trip? Oh, God. I don't understand the scale. Kids get excited for candy. <laughs> don't. Gerb doesn't don't. like writing scales. I'm going to say it's a, f- I, I do not want to play the biting game. It is unneeded and it was unneeded in the episode, I guess, but it's the only way those two feel possibly is through pain. So, oh yeah, yeah I'm going to say absolutely needed yeah, in the episode. I'm going to say it's a five for me. I'm not sure there has been a single better line yet than um, Tom Wamsgan finally made me feel something. Yeah. Um, that is, that's a crazy f-ing line from Shiv. Phil, where are you at the, on the scale? What end of the scale is the not giddy end? They're both giddy. They're both super <laughs> giddy. There is no, there is, there is no non giddy <laughs> end to the scale. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to put this on the scale. So I'm going to go back to the, uh, the old standby. It's a, it's a Burke seven. I, I don't want to All play right. the, get, the bitey game ever. All right. So in the last episode, Did we start to see Roman cracking? Is Shiv really throwing back in with Tom? Did Kendall just take the crown? Where are you after the last episode heading into episode seven coming out tonight? 
I wasn't there a week ago, but I'm kind of there now where I, I feel like right now in this episode through last week, Kendall is kind of, he's kind of the man, right? Like he's, he's pulling all nighters. He's got that crazy look in his eyes and he's all right. I'm, I'm going to find some things to work us around to get us out of this deal, get us into a better deal or whatever. And Roman's going out and just firing people left and right. Like, and, and Kendall even was cool with that. Like, all right, whatever. I, I, he thinks it plays, right? I, I keep thinking the Shiv and the Tom thing. I don't know what that is. I, I don't know. I can't figure out Shiv at this point in the season. I can't. Like, she's she's playing both sides for sure, trying to find out, like, how does she make out the best, even as far as Matson and his blood bank and Tom and his bitey game and, you know, his, and her brothers that she loves so dear, dearly. I think right now it's Kendall. Kendall kind of has it. I don't think he's going to hold it for long, but he's got it today. Yeah, I've been, I've been I've been on Team Kendall for a while, and the problem is just because he's really becoming the face, it doesn't mean that's how it's going to end up, and that's what I kind of see here. You're starting to see a little bit of cracks between him and Roman, and Roman kind of obsessing what his father was saying, watching that clip over and over and over and over, yeah. and Shiv is the only one playing both sides for the best outcome for her, so... While I think Kendall's still the leader here, Shiv is now, I'm, I'm worried about her because I dislike her an awful lot, um, <laughs> that she's going to be the one who who plays it best and somehow lands it. Wherever way it lands, she's involved, right? Even though yeah. she's holding it against her brothers because she's like a third wheel here and not really having much of a voice, but she has a direct line to Madsen. So um, I'm, I'm going to say Kendall for now, even though it was a weird, it was a, a weird episode, the, the not so much weird, but just you see what it was like that they were, they were patting him on the ass afterwards, even though he really shit the bed in like the first 30 seconds to a minute of that presentation and the bullshit about dad and spending time. But he's a, he's a good liar. He's a good liar. Like his father was, I mean, he's yeah, selling. right. So land cruises sounds, <laughs> sounds phenomenal. Uh, I think there were some big moments for Kendall, man. You know, that's a guy who has no real self-esteem. So when, Roman backs out of the presentation and then Carl gives him a bunch of shit. You can see him. You can see how like devastated he is that they're not following him. And that really crushes him. And then he goes out and he actually does a great job in the presentation other than the lying, which might be a problem later yes. on with, you know, the edited video and the, and the pumped up numbers and stuff like that. That, that may be a problem for him later, but he kills it. And then all of a sudden, like he's in control. Um, and I, I thought that was huge for him. And I was glad to see him get a win as much as you can be glad for any of these characters to get a win, but I was glad to see him get one. Uh, I, I tend to agree. He doesn't hold on to it, but I'm starting to waver a little bit. And my Roman's going to win in the end thing, because he's had back-to-back -back bad weeks. He goes off on Madsen last week. He fires people this week. He backs out of doing the presentation with Kendall uh, and it ends up being a big mistake. Because if he'd been up there with him, it would have it would have made him look good. So uh, we'll see. But the, the Shiv Tom thing is really weird. Anyway, that's another really great episode of that show, man. They are continuing to move it forward, I think, at like a perfect pace uh, for, for where we're headed with only four episodes left. Our feel-good moment of the evening, our chance to talk Ted Lasso. This was a really long episode this week. I think it's the, it's the first one this season that's been a full hour or more. It felt like there was a ton going on, but like when it ended, my thought was, I feel like they're giving us a lot of hints about how the show is going to end. 
Am I on something or am I on to something? Uh, you might be onto something. It was one of those episodes. Uh, it wasn't in my mind. It wasn't as good as the previous two. It wasn't as bad as some of the earlier ones in the season. But at the same time, they started to kind of give you an idea that there's some potential ways to tie this up, I guess. And, and if this is to be the last season, just the the relationship and you saw what did or didn't happen with Ted and his ex-wife, you know, and, and that kind of stuff, what's going on with the teams, what's going on with, with Nate and his dark side, light side, dark side, light side, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, it was a, it was a weird episode when I thought about it after the fact, like there were a lot of, you could take it one of two ways. Like they're giving you options to, to, as an out as to how this ends, or they're creating all these other storylines that there better be another season. Right. Like, so we'll, I guess we'll see. It's going to be hard to wrap it up when they keep they they're, They made me care about Nate again. They made him a likable guy mm-hmm. again. Uh, and you can see his, inner dialogue fighting himself when Rupert had texted him about, sorry about that. And you know, it's okay that Ted was there. And he said, good, thank you. Like I'm, I'm trying to root for him again. And it's because, you know, like Ted's kid doesn't see any of the politics and bullshit. It's just like, Oh, that's my buddy. And I think that's like the theme here is that they're trying to wrap this up that everybody gets along again. So you, you might be foreshadowing to the happy ending here. I don't, I don't know what it is, I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good episode. I, I didn't think it was on par with the, the two before this, but it wasn't a bad one. Mm. Um, it didn't feel long, even though it was almost an hour. But I, the, what I took away from it is that they're trying to reestablish Nate as a likable character, and you're seeing him get some wins here, uh, at least in his personal life, which he never has really had. I actually think this was better than at least the previous episode. Maybe not the Amsterdam one. The Amsterdam one was pretty great. I really like this episode. I liked where they're going with a whole bunch of different characters. And I was talking about it with my friend Chalo at the bar on Saturday morning. Chalo's thing is they're bringing Nate back, which I think we all knew was going to happen. Nate was going to get Nate was going to be a good guy by the end of this show. Nate comes back, takes over Richmond when Ted goes back to the U S that that I think is a way for them to to wrap all this stuff up. Like I feel like there's going to be like Rupert's going to ask Nate to do something. It's like his sweep the leg moment. <laughs> that he's going to ask him to do something that he just can't stomach, and he's not going to do it, and he's going to end up like coming back and being forgiven. And then Fred's going to Fred uh, Ted is Ted's going to leave right because I yeah. think we saw that yeah. Doctor Jake is not doing it for. Yeah ted's ex-wife i think you know she did she has that moment where she turns back and she looks at him you know that you know what that means every time you know that that means that she's into you it's the only thing i know about women um, <laughs> they turn back and look they're into you <laughs> and so i think that the, like some sort of storyline like that like nate's gonna come back to being good ted's gonna go back to america i see them being able to wrap up i and i think from this episode being able to tie everything together to to wrap it up by the end of this season. So uh, we'll see, but I thought it was a really good episode. I'm, I'm uh, as always looking forward to, to more lasso, but as always fellas, we're out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning because of our focus on the smashing pumpkins that flume oh, no. released a new album last oh, week. No, no. All with that no. news. That Flume's new song, Jerry 1.6, might be about my dad, but he ain't going to listen to it. I hope you guys have a great week, and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely.
you know who's really having a bad year is Rosario. And is they it, should really um, sit. Like, I think his. I, I saw some that he's having some back issues. Like they should think about just putting well, him on like a fifteen yeah. day or so. Like, yeah, he had a what day was that? Wednesday. He struck out three times and once an extra. Yeah. Like, that and they're dude, ugly strikeouts. Yeah, dude. right. They're yeah, not yeah, like. Yeah. yeah, it's been. It's been and even, it's, maybe they're all just pressing. And like, uh, yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, Menez and the ten, Like, what are you bunting? He attempted yeah. some, but yeah. what are you doing, you dumb fucker? He's sliding in the first, like, like, well, what's going on? This team's just yeah. doing that kind of, and then, but then you know, you know, that's interesting that Straw. like um, Straws played well. The bases loaded walk was. I, I've never been excited for a bases loaded walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. That that hey. sums up the offense for the last week, right there. Like right. The highlight yeah. of the, yeah. the highlight yeah. was Absolutely. a bases loaded yeah. walk. That's it. That's it. Boy, it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> I hadn't really thought about it, but is is Jimenez pressing as a guy who just signed like his big deal at the beginning of the year, man? <clears throat> is he trying to like live up to that contract right now? And he's he's back know. down the lineup, right? Like he's he's yeah. uh yeah getting what yeah. Like yeah. six or seven. Yeah. So you think they sit Jokic down for that? Like, is he going to miss a game or just get a fine, you think? Well, I guess they got to look into it. I don't know. Maybe the guy was, like, motherfucking him. You're still probably but, not allowed to hit dude, a fan, especially yeah, when yeah. the fan is a billionaire owner. And it wasn't an accidental, like, I lost my balance. Like, he threw a forearm at that guy. Yeah. I got to yeah. get on Twitter now and see if I can see it because I don't see it. And it, uh, the owner also wasn't Jimmy Haslam, so that's probably going to get you fined. <laughs> Boy, right. he has put his Midas touch on the fucking Bucks, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come in, lose a first round playoff series, fire the coach, later, fire your coach. <laughs> yeah, all right. It's, it seems kind of brown, brownsy. Oh, did the owner <laughs> flop? I don't know. <laughs> oh, there was definitely like he threw his arms up, like he definitely sold that shit, like he was going to get a call. But nonetheless, like I don't think you can put your hands on a fan. Yeah. Pirates lost ten to one to the Blue Jays yeah, today. By the way, yeah, they're on a they're on a shitter right now. But I, I uh, so his actual birthday is Tuesday. So I, I, I can't believe he's nine already, man. That picture that's I sent cr- you guys, yeah, that's right? crazy. Like, isn't that yeah. nuts? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I looked at the little hat. I'm like, is that a nine on there? Yeah. Wow. Wow. I make, I make them. I make the boys a birthday crown every year, and every year it's been getting like I've got to like plan ahead for because it's a lot of design goes into it. Sure. Like whatever their theme is, I'm like, all right, I think I can draw. I think I can get Mario and Luigi on this hat. How do I? How am I going to do that? It's uh, it's fun though. It, That's amazing. Yeah. I'm on Charlie's nine. I'm going to be oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Not just 54? you. All of us. Sixty-two. All of us. Sixty-two. All of us will be. In our mid fifties, oh. it'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, imagine what the video game truck is going to be right, like then. Yeah. That's going to be incredible. It's going to be a hovercraft, <laughs> even better, <laughs> with Biff Tannen on it. <laughs> There's not that many hovercrafts around, yeah. you know. Yeah, that Back to the Future was full of shit. We're already past that year. <laughs> <laughs> like GI Joe had the hovercraft. Oh, yeah. It seemed like such yeah. a good idea. Yeah. I don't really know that it is like militarily at this point, but um, <laughs> thought we'd have a lot more hovercrafts. 
I can't, I muted my TV. So they were just, they were, all the guys on TNT are talking about the Jokic thing. I wonder what, or Jokic, I wonder what uh, Barkley had to say there. Yeah. Let's see it. Barkley threw a dude through a plate glass window at a bar in Cleveland. Yeah, not during, during a game, playoffs, though. I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 not during yeah. a game. Yeah, it, it wasn't Gordon Gunn. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> this guy can't see me anyway. He's never going to pick me out of a lineup. <laughs> Gordy. Yeah, not a lot of great Gordon Gunn jokes out there, so. You know, there's actually been like um, in the, in the last two weeks where we focused on you know Josh Ritter, who gave us like 35 minutes of music, yeah. and these guys who gave us 33 songs of music. <laughs> um, like Kip Moore came out with a yeah. new album. I saw the Lone Bellow came out with another song new song, for like the extended um, version of the album. Yep. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely like there's good stuff coming out. Um, we're just not listening to it. Because, <laughs> well, we can be to make us listen yeah, to this yeah. stuff. <laughs> it's not this week. We had to focus. Oh, oh hey, look at that. It's already midnight. Holy we did shit. it. How did that happen? Man, this went quick. Yeah. 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 All right, boys. Yeah, so um whatever you guys whatever you guys want to do next. Yeah, I'll Sunday, let you know, but I'll, I don't, be, I don't see any right. issue with okay. Sunday. Let's just let's just plan on regular Sunday night then. Okay. Um and if something changes, like I'm flexible, I can do it Monday. Um, if you guys just feel like because it's going to be a hectic day and you're going to be busy doing shit and you just would rather not record that night, we can do that on Monday too. I mean, whatever works. Okay. All right, man. All right, brothers. All right, fellas. All right, brothers. Good to see you. Good, see Good you. times. Right. Yeah. Love you guys. Fantastic. Yep. Love you, fellas. Love you guys. Later. Yeah. Funny. Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?